I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, September 16, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Uniforms on, game face on, get ready for market movement, it's showtime. What do we have on the docket? Well, I don't have a ton of notes because there's not a lot to say before the Kabuki Theater, FOMC announcement, fake and phony press conference, all that stuff. And why do I say fake press conference? Because I'm sure some of those questions that are asked are either pre-provided or provided in advance or scrubbed. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. I like conspiracy theories, so we're going with that. Doesn't matter, doesn't affect the market. I'm just saying. After Kabuki Theater, the market did some stuff, and the market actually is in a position where we can tell with a high degree of certainty what the likely scenario is. We have a setup. Is it any different than the setup from yesterday? No, it's the same setup. More time has passed. That means they're going to get going. Let's run through what's jumping off the page, and then we'll go from there. Do we need the 337.50 anymore? Price is above there. Is it going to be the same as it was before? No. We're taking it off the board. What else we got? Well, remember the phony candle from yesterday, the shenanigans candle? It comes down to basically the gap. That's the tail low. The market was never actually down there, but it shows up on the daily chart. The low comes in at 338.47. Guess what? What was the low today? 338.52. Within spitting distance. Funny how that works. It's also a gap, so really, when they're headed to a gap, we know the gap becomes magnetic, so we don't really care about those phony tail candles, but they're fun to talk about. If they go somewhere other than a gap, then we'll take notice. But when they go to a gap, we're looking at the gap anyway. The previous day had the same type of scenario down to the gap that was left open on the 11th, which was last Friday. And that ties into stuff we're going to discuss going forward anyway, like right now. So what do we have on the board? Let's just keep it really simple. We have a move downward, and now we have, and we have had, a bearish, wedgish, flaggish kind of thing. Now, we know a couple of things. Nothing's changed from last night, but we know a couple of things. We have a breakdown candle, and we know about the high, 242.53. What did they do today, by the way? I don't want to be remiss in mentioning the fact that they finally went and filled the gap that we've been waiting on for like a week. 242.61 was the original or official fill. The high today was 343.06, but they were rejected. They weren't rejected from the gap. They were rejected from the breakdown candle high and the 20-period moving average. Even though the 20-period moving average isn't nearly as important as it would be if price was coming from afar. However, it's still there. It's still around the same price as the gap. It's still around the same price as the breakdown candle high. So we can incorporate it into the discussion. So here's what we know. We're going to keep this simple. I know I said that before, but the more I say it, the more you'll realize we're going to keep it simple. We have the breakdown candle high, 242.53. That's the line in the sand. If they get above that on hourly closes and close a day above that, look out above, they're going to run 
like a scolded dog. Why? Because the same energy that would normally be released with this, so you have a down move with the breakdown candle, you have a wedge right to test the top, we know that that happens all the time, and if they get rejected, this is what they're going to do. They're going to come down and likely not stop at the 50 period moving average, but go into the zone that we've been discussing for several days. 326.50 to 323.40 in that ballpark. But if that doesn't happen and we get the flip around or the turnaround or the rope-a-dope, and we'll talk about that further in a second, but if they go higher instead of lower, they're going to release the same energy they would have released on the downside. It's going to go in the northern direction and you can count on a lot of short covering, a lot of squeezing, a lot of pies in the face. Let's talk trades for a second. I had a nice back and forth this afternoon with one of you guys. And the question was pretty simple. Is the breakdown candle high on hourly closes a short? And the answer was, today is Fed Day. It's Kabuki Theater. It's an anything goes scenario. Technically, yes. But what I have in my mind, and I can't help but have this in my mind. A, it's a dangerous place to be. There's a lot of stuff in there. But I also have the benefit or the disbenefit of having been around the markets for quite a long time and I've seen a lot of stuff. I see a lot of stuff play out over and over again and it's hard for me not to realize it. What I'm referring to is the fact that we've seen many times the market does whatever it does on Fed Day. It goes up or it goes down, it does both. It ends up going either up or down into the close and then the following day we see that flip around if the market trades down on fed day all of a sudden the following day sometimes not all the time sometimes we'll see the market gapping up in the morning they forget about whatever the fed said or whatever happened with the fed day whatever the market thought about the fed and then they just move on and they come up with a story about why things are different than they were yesterday afternoon the fact that i know that that happens not that it happens the majority of the time it just happens too many times it keeps me away from the short trade that member was asking about. Specifically, shorting the breakdown candle high, let's say they start closing hourly below at the end of the day, right? They're challenging it, they get above it, but they can't close above it. They start or continue closing below it. Can you hop on short? And the answer is, technically speaking, forget about today. Let's just talk about normal garden variety conditions. The answer is yes. And here's the reason why. A, they do it all the time. They run up to test breakdown candle highs. That's no revelation. But what you're doing as a trader is you're challenging the market. You're challenging the other side. You're saying, I'm going to bet that you can't close above the breakdown candle high without a pullback. Not that the market has to collapse. It doesn't have to go down 10 points from here. But I'm going to bet that I'll at least get a trade in the money and get into the driver's seat. Why? Because the majority of the time, they don't just blow through the breakdown candle highs. They run the test. By the way, how about a little bit of a change in character in the market, right? Notice the volume. We have declining volume even as the market's declining or going sideways, right? So that's not necessarily bearish. If the volume is drying up, that's not bearish. It's not bullish. It just is what it is. The path of least resistance when the volume is very, very light is generally sideways to higher. Doesn't have to be like that every single day, but that's the general thought process. Well, all of a sudden today, we have a pickup in volume 
as the market's beginning to decline out of this bearish wedgish thing. Now, it's not declining out of it yet. It just began to decline today from the top of the breakdown candle. But the volume is of note. It's a puzzle piece with a star next to it or an asterisk because it was Fed Day. So you do have Kabuki Theater. You get some whipsaw action in the market. And for it to coincide with a pickup in volume is normal and it's garden variety. So here's the deal. We're going to wrap up the daily chart of the SPY pretty easily right here. Get above the breakdown candle high, they're going higher. And they're going higher quickly, most likely. However, what this should do under normal garden variety conditions is this should come down at least to the 50 period moving average where you're likely going to have some kind of a sabbatical, a pause. That's if it's happening intraday. Even though they've already been there, it's going to be also a double bottom area. You'll have a fight going on around that zone. But the market should, at this point, if they're going to start lower, they shouldn't finish until they get into the zone. 326.5 down to 323.5, give or take something on either side. But that's really what should be happening. Let's check out inside the numbers. So the day was rather quiet early on until things heated up in the afternoon. But let's go through the notes. Let's see what was discussed. And the purpose here is to see if you think that you can benefit from this type of information throughout the trading day. What you're trying to do is you're trying to assess the information and ask yourself, can I make money with this information during the trading day? Whether it be the commentary whether it be stocks on the move. If the answer is yes, it's a no-brainer. If the answer is no, then you have to move on. It's hump day. It's a wake-up green day. The bulls are staying above the big fat round number. That was what was going on first thing in the morning. 3,400, 341, give or take, in the SPY. We've got Kabuki Theater on tap. And under normal garden variety conditions, it should be pretty quiet leading up to Kabuki Theater. Now... Let's check out what some of the early thoughts were. Remember the elusive gap? So we're already eyeing the gap that was filled in the afternoon. That's the 342.61. Today is the day. And in fact, today was the day. They did the deal in the pre-market. Can they go higher? Of course they can. They did go a little higher, but not much. And then what about a shakeout operation? Down south, there was a couple of spots. We had the big fat round number of 3,400 or 341. And then below that, we have the gap left open from yesterday's close, 340.16. Now, we know the deal with those gaps. Sometimes on the first shot, they come up short, turn around and go back in the other direction. Sometimes they spike it through, rarely, but sometimes they hit it right on the nose. You know the routine, right of the vertical, today's activity, five-minute SPY chart. Here's what we've got. 341, you can see that's the top horizontal line running through price. You can see price comes down to test it, spike it through a little bit, bounce off, come down again. Where are they going? Going toward, they didn't get there, but going toward 340.16. They made a low of 340.31, turned around and went back in the other direction. Now, you got to pay attention. This is exactly what we were talking about before the opening bell. This is the early thoughts. The early thoughts are long before the opening bell rings. In fact, here's a 905 post that was not even close to the early thoughts. Standard operating procedure, we let them go for a little while. Let the shakeout take place. Let the Johnny-come-latelys do their thing. If the market's running away, you got people chasing it. If the market's dropping, you got them shorting in the hole. They're going to reverse it in both cases and shake them out. 
Don't be the traitor that gets shaken out. Pretty easy early on, pretty easy read. We know it's going to be quiet leading up to the Fed. We're around a big fat round number. It's a big psychological number. They're going to fight around that number. They're going to dip below. They're going to get above. They're going to come down below. They're going to get above. There's going to be a bull bear battle around the big fat round number. That's just the way the market works. Below and they fumble, meaning sustained below. We don't want to see the market below if you're bullish. If they dip below, we're reminding ourselves that there's support at the gap. That was the 340.16. You see what's going on here. The low thus far was 3,400 on the button, then they bounced away. That was already at 9.39 a.m. Hanging around the big fat round number, light volume, kabuki theater ahead. You see the writing is on the wall. It's going to be pretty quiet until after the Fed. So what I'll do from here is scroll up, read the notes, go back to the charts, see what happened, see if the commentary can be beneficial for you. It's not just numbers. There's other stuff in here. There's stuff you can take away every single day in this commentary. Hanging around an important spot around an hourly close, a psychological number. We've seen that before. Once they get below... 341, the door is ajar for 340. That's pretty garden variety as well. Not that it's garden variety for exactly a dollar lower. It just happens to be the case today, but it's garden variety. You get below one important number, and guess what? The next one down is on the table. Now, this is worth repeating because I get some emails. Traders may misunderstand some of the commentary if they're new or they're new to trading or new here. So I want to clear something up. To be clear, If the door is ajar for the SPY to fill the gap at 340, give or take, that doesn't mean traders should short the market in the hole, meaning it was already down. You're not that far away. If you're below 340, you're not that far away. Or if you're below 341, you're not that far away from the gap. You don't short in the hole looking for three or four points in the ES or whatever vehicle you're trading. You want more meat than that. The door is ajar means that it's a setup. The door is ajar means it's ripe for the market to go get the next number. We're not going to trade to the next number because that's not the high probability trade. We're in a probabilities business. The higher probability trade is when they get to the number, it being support. That's more high probability than saying, I'm sure they're going to get to the number. No, I'm sure they're going to bounce at the number. Yes. Now, when I say I'm sure, I'm sure meaning if I'm sure, I'm sure I'm going to take the trade. I'm also sure I'm not going to win 100% of the time, but I have to be sure in order to take the trade. If you're treating it as a business, you want to be 100% sure when you're allocating capital to a trade or an investment. may not work out 100% of the time, but you have to be confident and you have to be convicted on the trade going in. I thought that was worth the mention. Moving right along. And as I was writing that previous dissertation, they actually went down toward the gap and that's where they found that low bounced away. They turned around. They finally went and did the 342. We talked about that earlier in the notes. We didn't necessarily talk about it here today or tonight, but we talked about it in the notes in the commentary. And then they went and got the gap. The gap was still on the table. 342.61, they did that. So there were some traders that did hop on board looking for that gap for what I'll call something bigger than a scalp trade, smaller than a Lollapalooza. Now, it's getting close to the Fed. The market starts to whip around. That's the deal. What I'm going to do is run through the commentary. You can read it for yourself. 
You know what's going on. We already talked about everything that happened around the Fed that we needed to talk about. We don't need to talk about what the Fed did or said or didn't say. We need to talk about what the market did. So you can read the notes at your leisure, go back to the charts. But I urge you to read the stuff because there's stuff that you can learn in these notes every single day. It's not just numbers. I'm not just another pretty face. Stocks on the move. We're going to take a look at a couple. Facebook, S-Y-N-H. We're also going to look at Boeing, B-A. Two hit their price targets on the downside, meaning they were filled from an entry perspective. Long trades, trading down into support, filled, and a bounce. That's what we're looking for. How about we start with Boeing? Why am I starting with Boeing? It didn't even hit the number. Because I have to show you what happened. The number for Boeing was 160.08. The low of day was 160.31. Look what happened after that. Remember, and here's the reason why I'm showing you this, and there's going to be another one too. Stocks are headed to a destination. If they hit the destination and they're satisfied, they're going to turn around and go back in the other direction. If they're not satisfied and they have another destination, they'll likely first hang out for a cup of coffee and then continue on to the next destination, a la making a bearish, flaggish kind of pattern. Boeing had a destination. We got close. My number today was slightly off, and they went on a rocket ride. The takeaway is the numbers work. How about SYNH? Cineos Health. Who ever heard of them? We don't care. It's four letters on a chart. The stock closed at about 61.5 yesterday, getting a pretty decent buzz cut at the open. 56.90 was the number put on the board bright and early. They hit it. They thought about it. And they finally started to grind their way higher. So guess what? We classify this as a base hit. It's actually a little bit better than a base hit. $1.14 total possible gain. So we say they did the deal. Now... Traders painting by the numbers, they take a partial profit or a profit on a portion of the position when they're up something around 1%. They did more than that. They come back down, you scratch out of the rest, and guess what? You have a profitable trade on your hands, and they could have went higher, and you could have participated if they did go higher, but that's the only way I know of is to sell half or a third and wait. It's the only way I know of to participate in the rocket rides that last all day because you never know how high they're going to go. You never know when they're going to stall out. You never know when they're just going to go down back to retest an important spot on the spur of the moment. Anything goes. The takeaway, the numbers work. How about Facebook? Now, this one took too long to happen. Not many traders participated in Facebook because it came into the number right before the Fed announcement. I don't know too many traders that are willing to be in a position around the Fed announcement. It's really just a bet slash gamble when you do that. But look what happened. 264.63, and what time was this? This was at 13.40, 1.40 in the afternoon. Fed announcement's at 2 p.m. They come into the number, they turn around, they go back up in the other direction. What's the high? 266.99. That's another base hit. Second number, kind of worked, but that was post-Fed. Markets doing all kinds of stuff. Again, At this point, late in the day, post-Fed, it's a bet-slash-gamble trade, not a high-probability trade based on the conditions-slash-circumstances. Fed, no Fed. The takeaway, the numbers work. What about Camp IWM? Here, 
Let's look at it this way. We're gonna have conflicting data right here, so we'll pick it apart. But here's what we've got. On one hand, we have a market that was up on the day, up $1.63, 1%. S&P 500 was down almost 16 points, almost one half of 1%. NASDAQ was down 1.25%. That's the NASDAQ composite. So that in and of itself, even though there was somewhat of a failure slash decline into the end of the day, they still finished up on the day. So it has to be a puzzle piece and it's on the table. But check this out. Go with me on this. Market runs up and it basically runs sideways for a while, building energy to make another push higher. But that doesn't happen. You have a false breakout right here and the market declines. Okay. So what did they do now? They came back up to test what? Let me clean this up and we'll do it again. They came back up to test this area here, somewhere in here, right? There's no exact price. There's no to the penny number here. This is a former would-be breakout area or would-be breakdown area. So the market broke down from here. It was looking like, and normally they would have broken out from here after a bullish, flaggish, wedgish kind of pattern from a run-up, right? Normally, they would break out from here, but they broke down from here. So what did they do? They ran up to test a former breakdown area. How you doing? Regardless of how you look at it, what chart you look at, all charts act and react the same way. That is the absolute foundation and bedrock of everything that's taught in the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. Think about what I said before with one of the stocks on the move. It's four letters on a page or on a chart. Who gives a hoot what they do? All charts act and react the same way. I can't tell you how many times I'll put a stock on the board, stocks on the move. It'll be whatever company XYZ. And I'll get an email from somebody at like 8.30 in the morning that says, hey, did you see the news? Are you sure you want to put this on the board? The news was terrible. You know what I do with that information? I file it away because there's a good chance that's going to be one of the ones that give us a rocket ride, a la the email indicator. So if the IWM begins trading lower, gives up the 20 period moving average, then that's really what will have happened, which is running up to test a former breakdown area. Now the flip side, right? There's always a flip side. We have to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. The flip side is, what happens if they trade up tomorrow, for example, on the IWM, and they stay right up in this neighborhood? They stay above the 20-period moving average, and they start trading up in this neighborhood. Well, guess what? Then none of this really happened, and then you have a continuation of what was going on here. That would be bullish. Umpire calling balls and strikes. RSP. Now remember, the S&P 500 was down 15, 16 points today. The RSP was up 74 cents, almost three quarters of 1%. What's up with that? Very similar action or price action that we just discussed in the IWM. So they ran up, they were rejected, but they still finished up on the day. Puzzle piece on the table. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Now the candle from today looks ugly, but the price was up. They finished up on the day, 78 points, almost three quarters of 1%. So again, we have to take this stuff at face value, create a puzzle piece, and put it on the table. In the back of your mind, when you see this stuff, the RSP, the transports, a couple of other things, you have to have in the back of your mind, 
Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew, also known as Trick and Company. They do this kind of stuff. They make it look like they're going to collapse. And then the following day, they're flipping the switch. They reverse the market right back up in the other direction. Happens all the time. We don't know that it's going to happen, but you have to have the awareness that it happens all the time. So when you start picking apart the market, looking around the horn and all these other markets that are, and we know my favorite market leading indicator, IWM, A number one, and then the second favorite leading indicator, A number two, is the transports. When you see that these markets are up on the day, the S&P 500 was down, the Dow was up slightly, we don't care about the Dow, the Nasdaq was down, you have this mixed bag going on. This is precisely why we look around the horn at all these markets, all these charts, because we don't want to make a decision based on one thing. If you just looked at the S&P 500 chart today, you would say, odds on it's going down. And the odds on they're going down. But that doesn't mean they're going down 100%. Anything can happen. That's why we look around the horn. And we're prepared. We know if we spot something going on different than what should be going on, we know if they're closing above a certain number, like the breakdown candle high, we know what to expect. What are we going to expect if that happens? Repeat after me. There's probably a rip-your-face-off rally coming. What about the VIX? We haven't talked about this in a while, but I'm bringing it up today because I think it's important. Did we see a big spike higher in the VIX, even with the market doing what it did today? No. They're into this convergence of the 50 and 20 period moving average. Below the 200 and the 100, but they're into this convergence. So, a couple of things, right? They could certainly get a bounce off the convergence of the moving averages. That would have the stock market going down at the same time under normal garden variety conditions, right? Right. But don't forget, they also closed below this breakup candle low. So is that bearish or not? See, we have a lot of different things going on. I've got a lot of stuff on my plate. My desk looks like a war zone. And you basically have to stay with it until it becomes clear. Trick and Company's job is to make sure it doesn't look clear. That's not their first job. That's their second job. Their first job is to make as many traders look like fools as much of the time as possible. Q's looks very similar to the SPY. This pattern, this chart, should complete in the downward direction. What's the ideal number? What's the number I think they A, should get to, B, will get to, and C, have a reaction away from? I think 255, they could go lower, but 255 is a pretty darn good number. Right below that, you have 250, that's even a better number, but I don't know that they get there before having a reaction at 255 if they're going to go down there. How about the XLF, bull side of the ledger? Puzzle piece on the table, up 1% today. You see, as you look through all these charts, it wasn't exactly an armed robbery out there today. The SMH, smash mouth. Pretty good proxy for the tech space as a whole. Guess what? This looks like the other charts. Looks like the bearish, wedgish pattern kind of charts. Here, you have what's called an outside day. The high and the low were both outside of yesterday's high and low. That's bearish. For those asking, 159 and 155 are the two numbers in the SMH if they do continue in the southern direction. Not going to happen all at once, not in a straight line. I mean, you have this double bottom area here. This low is 163.58. They're not going to just give that up in one shot. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? 
Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.